Welcome to the Casual Fridays REI podcast, where you'll learn about the wildly profitable niche of land investing. Active land investors Adam Southey and Justin Sleva are here to share their experiences with you so that you can learn how to build massive cash flow and huge profits from this highly lucrative niche. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Adam Southey and Justin Sleva. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Adam Southey here with my co-host, Justin Sleva, and this is the Casual Fridays REI podcast. Today, we're talking about going big in a crazy time. Before we do that, though, let's talk about the Casual Fridays Land Flipping Blueprint. Guys, if you're thinking about getting into this industry, this is it. This is the course you want to buy. Justin and I spent months doing consulting calls before we ever put this course together. So what's that mean for you? Well, we know where people struggle to get hung up, and we address those issues in this course. But also, you've got two experienced land investors who came together, took the best parts of each of their business, and laid them out for you in easy-to-follow video format. So if you're thinking about getting into this niche and this excites you, go to our website at www.casualfridaysrei.com. Click on the training tab and get signed up. I'm, uh, I'm going to be impressed if Brian fixes this one. Uh, <laughs> Brian, you got your you got an overtime on this one here. You can do it. I haven't I haven't said, uh, so people are listening right now, I messed up the intro like six times and hopefully Brian just and, corrected yeah, it all so correct. you won't know. Unless and, you go to YouTube. Yeah, unless you watch, watch it on YouTube. <laughs> um, but I haven't said it like that in a really long time because of the uh, two, 200 hour sale. Yeah. Which was really cool to me. The 200 hour sale, I thought maybe we'd see more new people come in versus the influx of guys that guys and girls that had just added us as a toolkit, as a tool to their, their toolbox of uh, uh, land investing courses, which is, you know, always nice to see that we can help, you know, fellow land investors that have gone through other education with a different insight or different perspective. I was excited about that too. And I, I mean, I think it was a really good value for what they got. At that price, it was just a great thing to add to your tool chest. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And hearing some of the stories that came back on that and like the different like wild tales that we heard, you know, I mean, that was nuts to me. I won't go into too much detail because I yeah. don't want I don't want anybody to feel like they get singled out. But you know, hey, some good laughs out there. Yeah, good laughs. I like that one. That was good laughs. Mm-hmm. Good laughs. So going big. And first, before we do that, you didn't even notice I cut my own hair. Like you didn't notice I looked fresh, high, and tight this week. No, I guess I didn't. No. See, now you're looking at it. Look, see, no, yeah, it, look, it looks like you, like got, you got a haircut. Yeah. yeah. So that's the second time you've done that during this. Yeah. The first time I just trimmed up the sides a little bit. This time I did everything. How often do you normally get a haircut? Every two, two, three weeks. Every two to three weeks. Yeah. And so I cut it long the first time just in the event that I uh, messed, messed up, up <laughs> and I could go short to fix it. But uh, I was sitting there and I, my neighbor, he's, he's a Air Force pilot, but he's, he works for American too. And so he's, uh, he's standing out, we're talking, I was like mowing the yard, so I'm covered in grass, and I just felt like I looked rough. And so I'm like, man, I got to clean. He's all clean cut, high and tight, you know, like the Air Force would have you. How's he get his hair done? I guess he's he doing his health. Yeah, I don't know. And so I, I went, took a shower, and I was like, it's time. I got to cut it myself. So I went and cut it, and uh, Jessica's like, what are you doing? And I was like, cutting my hair. And she's like, oh gosh. And I came back, and she goes, oh wow. She goes, I noticed your hair earlier looked like fluffy all over the place, and it was just looking kind of wild. She goes, it looks really good. And I said, I did it myself. I'm proud of myself. Hmm. Leave me alone. That's good. So yeah. I've been wondering what I was going to do. I think I'm just going to let it, just let it grow. Let's cut it a mullet. No. Maybe. Uh, Before you do it, let me edge like the front sides up. Just beep, beep. Beep, beep, yeah. And it'd be like a baby mullet. Maybe a chili bowl and part it down the middle. Yes. <laughs> you know that. I will do it. I will trim it. <laughs> I used to have that in middle school. I, it was it was long. Like first of all, it was shaved all the way to the top, and uh-huh. it, it hung low, like down to. Yeah, I think we all had that cut at that time. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool back then. <laughs> that was pretty cool. But you got all the chicks. Do you remember? Well, our buddy 
Ray and Michael. Yeah. Um, they had just, just the bangs. Uh, just the bangs. Yeah. Nothing but the bang. Doug did it too for a little bit. But yeah. I was not that brave. Uh, my, not that I wanted it. My dad would have. Yeah. Absolutely not. He would have karate chopped you, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Good times. But yeah, now I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna let it go now until I just can't stand it. Hey, I I told you I need you to go meet Ashley and get her to get you cut hair because I think that could be your future wife. You don't have pretty kids. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so when it opens up, that's gonna you're gonna need to make an appointment with her. Ashley, if you're listening, this is Adam. Adam, Ashley. Hey, Ashley. <laughs> uh, so going big in a crazy market or crazy time. What did you? This is your title this week, and I'm curious what you mean by that. Well, I've seen a lot of people going around, kind of asking, should we be buying a whole lot more? Should we, you know, just should we be going deeper in our business? And then I've seen a lot of people like ethically growing your business when everyone else is panicking. You know, because there's a lot of people that are mm-hmm. uh, filed for unemployment. So yeah. if they've got real estate that they can sell to make money. Mm-hmm. And they may be willing to sell it right now. And so it's the question is, should we capitalize on capitalize this? on it? Man. So do you feel there's an ethical vi- like an ethical problem with offering people cash for something that they have? So my gut instinct right now, just asking me that question is no. Okay. Not absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> At what point does it become slimy, you think? Just as a gut reaction right now from you asking that question is when you would normally offer 30%, but now you're saying you're offering 5%. Or maybe you already offered them for 30% and they accept it and you go back and go, well, you know what? I know I accepted 30%. You accepted my offer at this much, but now I can only do 5%. Man, I've done that on like eight or nine properties. No, into- you haven't You haven't dropped 25%, right? You've, you've readjusted, but you so haven't like, gone next to zero. No, so we had three property package in New York where we it was offered 20 grand and... They and they accepted the twenty. Originally, they wanted more. They said, "Oh, we can do the 20. And I said, "Well, you know, looking at it in this kind of environment, the best I can do is twelve. Yeah. No, I'm saying slimy is going from twenty thousand to two. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, because you know you're taking advantage of them at that yeah. point. Yeah. You know, and we've had a few that we've renegotiated on everything that we had. A, I had a contract on previously that we agreed on a price and everything. We set to close. Anything that came in and they were negotiating, we said, "Hey, I I can't negotiate right now. You know, we have one in South Carolina that." We offered 15. I comped it pre-corona at 50, 55. She wanted a little bit more originally, and we said, hey, you know, this is an offer. I can do the 15, but I need a 90-day close on it because I need to see what the market's going to do. If you want to close in the next week, I can do it for 10. And she's like, I I got some time. So we've drug our feet on some deals. I've bought eight in the last two weeks. Mm -hmm. And so going big in in this time, I mean, we said this from the very beginning that you need to be able to come out on the offensive when the market contracts and adjusts because you're going to have buy opportunities. Now, as the sell opportunity is going to be there, they're always going to be there if you're pricing the property right on the, on the exit. So I, I'm telling my brokers, I'm telling the partners I'm working with, if you get a cash offer, take it, and it, it makes us a profit. So we have that cash to go back on the offensive when we come out of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it like when you sent your offers, let's say you sent them mm-hmm. two months ago, pre-corona, you know, market value that you based those comps on might have been one dollar, one price, mm-hmm. and now it's not. So it's Does, perfectly acceptable to adjust your. Yeah, I, so th- there's a piece of that, but I, I agree with you. Like if I go in and say, "Hey, I'll give you five hundred dollars," and I know the property's worth thirty thousand, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Try to take that's taking advantage of somebody. Yeah, but it also begs like because you can you can adjust your pricing and renegotiate. Maybe mm-hmm. you have more money now, so should you be going out and buying everything you can, and then. Uh, because there's more people that may be willing to sell now when you run out of money, do you start leveraging and buying more? Dude, that's a great question. I was at the bank yesterday uh, closing a property in Florida, Florida, and I had to I was signing it. And I, I have a line of credit at my Wells Fargo is where my personal account is, and I have a small line of credit there. And I was like, hey, man, 
how much can that line of credit get bumped up to? And he's like, uh, let me call. We got to call the credit card place and credit place. I guess that's where that line of credit goes through and see. And he's like, dude, it's a 50 minute wait just to get through somebody. I was like, eh, I'm good, man. Wow. I'll wait. But I did that. And he asked, he goes, what? Well, he goes, you, you look good. You don't have anything on any credit, you know? And there's, I think there was like 60,000 available there on credit. And I was like, well, I said, you know, I don't use it in the event unless I need it for something or have some running room in case I do. I said, but and there's about to be a lot of buy opportunities and I really want to be ready on the right deals. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting more conservative on what the deal looks like. I'm pricing it a little bit more conservatively, but I want to be ready to attack. I'm not not doing anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my stance on uh, using leverage has lightened. I mean, yeah. I'm definitely, before, there was a time, time where I'd have been no, like, hell no. Absolutely not. Not touching it. Not, yeah. you, and, I, and I've always been a little bit more flexible, I think, on mm -hmm. it. Yeah, flexible, that's what I was looking for. Yeah. Now I'm, Definitely much better with it, mm -hmm. uh, as long as it's very affordable. Like if you took a, if you lost half your income today, could you still afford it? And that, that's kind of what the money that we're using to leverage, and you know, the business and businesses that we are using leverage in, mm -hmm. it's affordable no matter what. Yeah, and that's a that's a that's a viable point. You know, I, people that have over leveraged, they're in trouble right now. You know, you can see. I mean, we saw a note yesterday where uh, a very prominent apartment syndicator isn't paying his investors, and it's like a it's a realistic really the the preferred rate's a shit rate. <laughs> Are you just, just surprised on that one? This I, I am. I'm blown away that he would offer people in a fund 4.9% preferred rate. I mean, sh I mean, I guess that's cheaper than he's getting money at the bank. That's prime. So he's offering people prime to invest their money. It's just, it just doesn't sound that stupid to me why somebody would do that. But that, I mean, that's, I can understand from his perspective, he wants the money as cheap as he can get it because it means more profit. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the, the idea behind leverage and you look at it, it's really, really big and as, as leverage in like homes or apartments or, you know, things like that that have cash flow to offset it. But in land, it typically isn't. But, you know, you make a point. Can you afford the, the land note? And I've been very transparent about the way we scaled so fast was we leveraged our own notes against an unsecured loan to re, I don't want to call it season it, but we essentially pulled that cash back out and just we secured it ourselves. So we had $1,400 a month coming in in terms deals, took a $25,000 note out. Uh, unsecured for seven hundred dollars a month, and just cash flowed seven hundred, and had in fresh twenty five to go to work with, mm -hmm. and then just ramped that up. But you paid that off as soon as you could, too. Right? Yeah, Not we paid. Yeah, we weren't joking around with. It. I think it was a three year note, and I think we paid it off in a year. Yeah, there's a lot of people out there doing land arb right now with their owner financing it from someone else. Yeah, and you know the spread on those aren't massive spreads, and then if your buyer's default, mm -hmm. and now you're either stuck paying all these people's deals that you borrowed from and then if you default on it now you've just that trickles down and yeah. so your that leverage can ruin a lot of businesses it can hurt you it's just not a good thing you know i and while i have become more flexible on it i would still make sure you know it's affordable no matter what no you're exactly right i think i have two properties i have a little bit of leverage on 208 acre ranch in virginia and like a 50 or 60 acre in tennessee mm -hmm. so i mean it's you know those are two bigger properties they're both six figure properties and I think combined leverage I have on them is like 40 grand. Mm. So, I mean, it's not a ton of leverage, but it's, mm. you know, it's just, it's a small amount. It's like 700 bucks a month, if that. Mm. Yeah. Well, the interest rate's so low. I mean, it, you can get a lot of money right now for a very reasonable price. No, you're exactly right. One of my, my mentor, like I call him mentor, but one of the guys that I look up to and always bounce ideas off of, you know, he's, he's out making offers on buildings that he, like a $1.2 million building offers 600 and gets it for, you know, cheaper or gets it for, got to offer a counter back that was like 70%, 65% of what the original offer price was. And so he's going to be in this building at 50, 60% on the dollar. It's all said and done. He's shopping 
you know, areas for some more like luxury rentals that they do. And they're, they're out there shopping them for that offering 50 cents on a dollar just to see what comes back. And I, I think you should be able to do as much of that as you can, you can do afford right now. And yeah. you can find the money for it and you can, you can safely take it. Yeah. No. And, and I think that we, you know, going big in this crazy time, I think that we should be going, going as hard as you can, just not as, I, not so hard that you're getting in trouble. Yeah. I, I want to come out on the offensive swinging so hard. So again, I said that to, uh, some partners this week, just, Hey man, get a cash offer, get it back. Cause when we come out, we're coming out swinging and you, the buy opportunities are going to be there. Yeah. All right, so I was going to, I was going to go off on a, on a tangent right there, but I, I, you, you I, can, we got a show. It's your show, baby. You, if you want to go off on a tangent, no, we can go I, cause it, it has to do with COVID and I'm just tired of talking about COVID. So, I mean, it's here, it's a real thing. We can't get around it now. Yeah. And what we keep saying it's so here we go. We keep saying it's gonna it'll go away. And now all the like what I'm hearing and like the media is like it may go away for a month, but just in time for it to start back up again next year. Yeah. And I'm like, God, what these the, freaking the fe- asses just ever shut you know. Yeah, the fear mongering is yeah. just keeping it there. One of the guys, I have a friend that works at GM and he reached out to me this morning and he was wanting to know about stock. Hey, when should I start buying stock? I was like, Well, it's already come back up fifty percent of what it's lost. So if you're gonna jump in, you need to jump in now and then hope that it they clear it up by May because the the money cycle doesn't stop. It cannot stop. It has to continue to turn. The market has to turn. Whether it's the I, when I say market, I mean the money, the idea of money moving. Money has to move for it to actually be worth something. If it's just sitting still, nobody's buying anything. Nobody's going to loan on anything. the the whole The whole economy collapses at that point. So money has to move. So the market's going to start trading again. People are going to start doing loans again. That's why you're seeing you know automobile suppliers or automobiles are doing zero percent. No no loan or deferred loans. And, you know, watching that model and seeing our business with, you know, my business with some of the owner finance stuff, you know, I'm having guys reach out and saying, Hey, can I defer two or three months? And it's like, okay, well, do I defer two or three months or do I not and have to foreclose on it then go out and find a buyer in a non-market or I just eat it for two months and see if you can survive. Mm. So that's the tough part. mm -hmm. That's what I woke up this morning with trying to decide. I had a couple people reach out wanting to get a uh, deferment for three months and, I'm like, man, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to take a nap after I started thinking too heavily on it because I, I wanted to look myself in the mirror and say, okay, hey, what would you want in this situation? What would mm-hmm. you do? How do you feel about it? Yeah. I think the next 30 days, too, for notes will really tell a good story because right now I feel super lucky because no one has called or, you know, mm-hmm. and I had one guy who was late, but once he realized he was going to lose a property, he got current. Magically paid. Yeah. I'm 20% off right now, yeah. like 20% reduction I mean, this month. That sucks, but that's not as bad as it could be. Yeah. And so we'll see what the next 30 days brings. But well, that's, you know, it's, it sucks. And then I, I'm like, God, oh, man, I don't have my cash right now. But I'm not in it for a month to month basis. I mean, it's, it's the product still there, the asset's still there. It's still worth something. So I didn't just, I lost some paper money yeah. or fake money, as I like to call it, but it's going to resell. I mean, I may wholesale a property or two and just say, yeah, you know what, get the cash back in and be ready to go buy something else, mm-hmm. or I may sell it again. And I think you can obviously correct me in here in a second, but the ones that the people stop paying on, you either owe next to nothing or nothing on. So you're oh, I owe nothing on yeah. them, and I've been paid back usually most of what I've had in them. Yeah. So you know, if they just if you give them two or three months, and then they decide, well, they're not going to pay any more. Period. Well, you mm-hmm. still got a awesome piece of property with, for free. Yeah, for free. Yeah. No, you're exactly right, and that's uh, that's kind of what I looked at. I think I can't remember how many of the notes are that are deferred or uh, getting deferred, or people are going to foreclose on, and they just said they can't afford it, they're going to walk away, and. I want to say after everything's said and done, I still up a couple grand on that package. So it's like, okay, what do you do with it? Do you go wholesale it to some people for some, so like some of the listeners to hear or some of the people in our private group? So they make a killer return on it and they get a good deal. And I just open up some cash for some other projects or, you know, what does that look like? And I don't know. Yeah. 
So what is your what's your final answer? Go big? Yeah, yeah. Go as big as you can without getting yourself in trouble and, and expect like a doom. I don't want to say expect doomsday, but prepare for the worst and go as big as you can while while prepared for that. Okay. And I, I'm going to just only ad lib into that. Be uber conservative on your acquisition requirements. You know, make sure that they're hitting the requirements that you want and need. Because if you're missing that, you don't want to have a bunch of money going big into crap properties. Yeah. Buy good assets. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Solid day today. That's all for you. Um, it's Friday. Do us a favor. Go to Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. <laughs> Give us a like, a follow, and a subscribe. And then go to iTunes. Go to Stitcher. Go to wherever else you're listening to us. Like, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Appreciate it. We love you. See you Monday. And get Adam some ginkgo biloba.